Welcome to the Cedarville Stories Podcast. Today, your host, Mark Weinstein, sits down with Dick Blink, Executive Director of the Beyond Startup Accelerator at Cedarville University. Dick discusses his travels, entrepreneurship, and how the Word of God is a compass for his life. And now, here's our conversation with Dick Blink. It's great having Dick Blank, who graduated from Cedarville back in the 1980s, on the Cedarville Stories podcast today because he has so many great stories about travel and being a Christian entrepreneur. To start today's program, Dick, I'm interested in knowing what is harder, to start or sustain a new business as an entrepreneur. It depends on the entrepreneur. Okay. For, for me, I, I, get bored. I get bored at the let's try to get 3% more every year kind of thing. Okay. So I'm more the... So it depends on like the skill and interest of the entrepreneur. So this, there's there's not a wrong answer there. Okay. For me, I'm a I'm a give me a clean sheet of paper uh, and go. Yeah. And if I need something, please help me, which is what Dr. White basically has done mm-hmm. with our program. And um, so it's very cool. Others, they like to take over when it's gone from clean sheet of paper to something on it to something that is already beginning to scale mm-hmm. and so it's becoming much more operational so now we got to hire a lot more people we got to mm-hmm. build some structure we got to build systems yeah. process Th- that's still a very important entrepreneurial job for but sure. for the right person that is where they want to plug in yeah you think of like apple yeah you know steve jobs started it and then they eventually brought in a guy from pepsi to Correct. run it and then they and they found out that well that was a bad mistake we got to bring steve back yeah but, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. So what in your background got you to be the, the clean piece of paper type of guy, not the sustainer type of guy? I have no idea. Um, God just kind of wires mm-hmm. us different ways. And if you try enough things, which is what I have a tendency to do, I'm really open to trying new things. Um, you learn from feedback from people or you learn from different job experiences or you learn from different contexts. And eventually something gives you some feedback that says, this is natural. You don't even have to think about it. Sure. So things that are natural for me are undefined, unstructured, either never been done before or the last five people failed. And so they need someone else to take a a fresh approach. Those have been my job responsibilities for the last 30 years. Do you remember when that clicked in in your mind that that's how you're wired? Do you remember a situation? Well, even when I was 18, um, if you remember from... I want to I go there. Go ahead. Okay. Chapel. Um, I put up a picture yeah. of a large sailing vessel, 150-foot yeah. mass, square rigger, yeah. teak decks, brass rails. Um, we had no electronic equipment. All we had was a sextant navigate by the stars. Right. So that means you're navigating when it's dark. You got to watch out for islands and land masses. So uh, I sailed across the Atlantic with a few guys, and we found Cork, Ireland. And um, but at then that kind of gives gave me feedback to say I like to step into the unknown, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. How do you navigate during the day? You can't see the stars as well. You do what's called dead reckoning. What's that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you avoid bumping anything. But so you take whatever your last point was at, during the evening, during the night. So more sail, more about sailing than you want to know. But 
there are two um, twilights okay. during the night. Most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. They think there's only one. There's a civil twilight and there's a nautical twilight. Okay. Nauticals in the evening, civil's uh, in like 3 o'clock in the morning. You take two fixes during the night. You usually have different watches, so mm-hmm. somebody has to sleep. The last fix, that you, the real fix you have, you have a chart, and that's your point. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know what your course and speed is. Okay. You have general knowledge of the wind direction. Mm-hmm. And you just continue to plot hmm. until the next night. Hmm. There's a lot of variables. Oh, that's that's why you have to keep taking plots. So we, we, went, we went across Labrador, Greenland, Iceland. Eventually got our way to... Um, Anyway, did that a couple times. But just those kind of experiences, I was always willing to try new things. Not afraid of, you know, try, I didn't necessarily get concerned about failure. Failed a lot, too. But when you try new things, you learn a lot by yourself. And also, um, when you're trying new things, stepping into the unknown, you realize that we have a God who is all-powerful, mm-hmm. all-wise. And if we're doing things that are structured, predictable, been done before, sometimes we rely on ourselves versus God. So um, throughout my life, I've I've generally been thrust into situations that involved stepping into the unknown or turning around things that were broken that needed someone to come in and take a fresh perspective. That's Mm -hmm. been my job profile the whole time. It seems unusual for an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, because at 18, you sailed from Connecticut to Bermuda, and 19, you did yep. the transatlantic. Yep. It seems unusual for someone that young to take on such a daring adventure. What What did you learn from all those experiences? Um, I'm kind of an adventure person, <laughs> so I'm a pilot also. Um, and um, I so sailing, pilot. I do some rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I just drawn to adventure. Did Did you grow up by water? Because you're from upstate New York. I grew up completely surrounded by land. In fact, I barely knew how to swim. Serious. By the time I was like fourteen, fifteen, almost kind of scared of the water. Right. Um, did you know how to swim when you're on these? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. At some point. So. Um, you know, I, I learned how to swim. We had a lake near the area that was like, uh, had a beach for our school. T- group, dad was a pastor. My dad and mom pastored tiny churches. Mm-hmm. So I was living in these really small towns, graduating class of like 50 in high school. Um, uh, n- no real advantages. Um, so I, I don't know. We, we, um, just always like to try new things. I'm drawn to it. Even what we're doing here at Cedarville right now, mm-hmm. this little project is really a very, very new thing. Yeah. And and uh, and we pretty much took a clean sheet of paper. And that just energizes you. And then you bring people alongside you to help uh, achieve what uh, the Lord puts on your heart. And at some point, I'll work, probably work myself out of a job. And, and, and uh, there'll be great people who can take it take it forward and and uh, and run with it bad man but probably for a couple of years now we're we're in we're in total launch mode that's great i want to go back to the um the the sailing uh experiences and then your your point where you said that you navigated by the stars mm-hmm. so let's take that analogy um 
when you're out on the boat and you're navigating by the stars and you don't see any land, mm -hmm. you can get disoriented very easily. Mm -hmm. So you had your navigation system was the, the sky. Uh, transfer that into life. What, what compass today uh, guides you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I you, you may find this answer interesting. I, um, one of the byproducts of always trying new things and exploring and doing things that haven't been done before or doing things been broken a few times and, and kind of taking the risk to kind of step into the unknown is you need that, that kind you need help. You need a compass. Um, and, um, I didn't always have mentors available around me that had tried or done what I was doing. At, at some point you reach a certain point of responsibility where there aren't a lot of mentors correct and uh, particularly Christian ones. Mm -hmm. So I, I found myself taking a discipline that I learned at Cedar River University actually. I don't know if it's still the case, but uh, when I was a student here, everyone had to read through the Bible once really okay. um, in their in when they That's went good. to Old Testament, in New Testament, as I remember. Okay. I don't know if that's still the case. So that was kind of the first time I've gone in a year through. And probably for the last 25 or 30 years consecutively, um, I've read the Bible through each each year, varying kinds of uh, programs, either chronological or mm -hmm. topical or uh, book by book. And what that provided me is I was always traveling. Mm -hmm around the world or around the country, uh, uh, business uh, things and all that, um, what that provided me is just a daily compass, a daily encouragement, daily support, because usually I was traveling by myself, and often I was going to a meeting with someone who I'd never met before, or it, it just the context was always a challenge, and um, the anchor, the compass, was simply just God's Word. So after 25 or 30 times through it, it kind of sinks in, and right. you start remembering, you start being able to go to various chapters I don't certainly have memorized, but but it, it just helps me. And so that's my compass. And from that discipline, prayer, and just listening to the Spirit, um, frankly, um, things pop into my head during the night when I'm sleeping, and I really feel like Scott's spirit kind of helping me right before the, the activities the next day and I think being in the word the day prior it's just all part of the process of staying close to God and, and sure. abiding with him and stepping in the unknown and if you don't step into the unknown God doesn't have a role if you think about it yeah if, if you can do it all on your own then you got it, or you don't got it. You don't usually have don't, ha you usually don't have. Usually don't have it. What I've learned is that it, as long my job is just to show up, trust, and um, often praying right in the middle of the meeting uh, that I'm in with someone where we're in a really difficult situation, and uh, God has never failed. So, now you mentioned. Um the tool of reading through the Bible that you learned here at Cedarville. But I think your uh, compass goes back to what I would call a legacy of faith that your yes. grandfather yeah. and that your parents uh, yes. instilled in you. Can you uh, share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so in my childhood, I had just great 
uh, role models and mentors. Uh, my grandfather had a huge influence on me. My grandmother, uh, my grandfather was a dairy farmer, mm-hmm. ran a business, and uh, we've talked about that before with, with the student body. But uh, he had a huge influence on me, and the influence that I saw from my grandfather was the huge impact he made through um, through just he worked seven days a week milking dairy cows twice a day, all the work that goes along with that. Yeah, he was heavily involved in his church. He was heavily involved in people's lives. If if anyone needed help, they knew where to they, they knew to come to my grandfather. Anyone needed a job, they knew to come to my grandfather. They needed money to come to my grandfather. They needed just counseling to come to my grandfather. Between my grandfather and my grand grandmother uh, I, I witnessed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to know the Lord mm-hmm. through summer camp ministry that they led mm-hmm. in their spare time. <laughs> and, and they also led my dad to the Lord, who ultimately married my mom through their, through their witness. Okay. He became a pastor. So think about that impact and legacy. Mm-hmm. And then my dad and my mom obviously had a huge impact on me uh, and my brother. My brother's a pastor and, and missionary and college president. And I went into the marketplace, and my parents did the same thing, but as pastor and wife. They impacted, led communities to the Lord through small local community churches, usually broken in some way. They were kind of like the fixers. Sure. Like you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, He did a little church planning also. At one point in our lives, my brother and I, my mom and dad, we lived actually in the back of the church. Okay. Um, it was like a mission church. Is that before parsonages became popular? Well, this one, that was the parsonage. That was it. But, but yeah, we've lived in more than our share fair, uh, fair share of parsonages. Yeah. They're across the street, usually about 150, 20 years old, by the way. Right. Um, but, uh, but no, live in the back of the church. Literally, you open a door right where the pulpit was on the side, yeah. off the stage, yep. and that was into our house. So you can imagine the privacy issue related to that. Not much privacy. But, uh, I remember that. You know, and... Uh, so all those things are humbling experiences that you never forget. And no matter where your life takes you, whatever situation you get into, no matter what other leadership response you get into, you always remember the small town right. impact of your grandparents in the small ways they made huge impact, yeah. a life of compounding um, okay. for God. And we're going to get into the life of compounding later on. So obviously your grandparents and your parents have had a big influence on your life then and even now. Are they still with you? Are your parents still around? Uh, my dad passed away about in 2012, of all things, lung cancer. Wow. Um, as far as I know, never smoked. I mean, in life is just one of those rare right. kinds of things. And my mom is still living. She's in Dallas. and uh, She lives near you then? Lives near me. Um and uh, she's as active and uh, energetic as anybody. So she's a consummate pastor's wife. So she's she just knows everybody, and everybody knows her. You know? And um, it's neat. So it's, and uh, so we're all we're all together in, in Dallas, basically. That's mm-hmm. good. After you graduated from Cedarville, you said you went in, into the marketplace, primarily in um, investments. Uh, you were the managing partner with Accenture LLP mm-hmm. for a while, and by that time, you spent. Uh, a lot of time advising Fortune 500 companies and global uh, entities. Um, how were you able to use your experiences leading up to that to really minister and serve in that capacity? Um, so I, I, 
I have a very strong opinions on, on the fact that a Christian in the marketplace is a as as holy a, a, and it's called an assignment as a pastor's role in the church. It's ministry. It's it's the same. It's mm-hmm. just a different context. Right. Um, if we were to um, uh, ordain people for the marketplace, that would complete the thought. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, we're, we're called uh, to either of those assignments. I saw that with my parents. I saw that with my grandparents. I saw my brother. I saw it with me. Um, but so the reason I make that point is because God uses Christians, basically we're the church, in the marketplace. He provides us influence, just like he did with Esther and Daniel and Joseph and David and mm-hmm. all, this other, all, all these others. Influence in the marketplace to be in a platform to be able to to advance the kingdom of God, um, and there have just been so many examples of where I've had the opportunity to share my faith in a completely uh, secular setting, and um, usually the setting was going back to what we talked about earlier. I would get asked to do something brand new, no one done before, and so. I would get asked to share how that happened mm-hmm. and, and how do we get to the uh, successful point. Mm-hmm. And that would just be, okay, you asked. I'll, I'll, I'll share just how that did happen. That's the open door. And it wasn't just me. Uh, you know, God right. provided. Right. Um, and so that gave me the open door. Or in a turnaround situation, last five people failed, get called by the CEO to say, that's your new job tomorrow. By the way, we need to um, we need to exceed the numbers and the plan by the end of the year. Last five years, we haven't made plan. Hmm. Uh, I mean, cra- I mean, just crazy assignments. And then a couple years later, we've doubled the business. Um, God provided as He always did. And then I would get asked that same question again: Come share what happened. We need our whole organization to know what happened. Mm-hmm. Again, since they asked, right. <laughs> I told them what happened yeah. and how it happened, and that was just that's just a great. It's, it's a, basically I had a pulpit. Right. Um, Did you ever get uh, lulled in by Satan to think that you're really doing great things? Yeah, I, I think like all of us, uh, you can lose your way for a while. This goes back to the reason that I just had to be in the Bible all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times when I was so busy traveling. Uh, there was a few times I literally had to travel completely around the world uh, on one singular continuous trip, mm-hmm. um, visiting clients, visiting um, our people, things like that. And um, you can lose your way um, if you get out of, in other words, you get pulled out of community. And so always had to watch for that. Had, had, I've maintained a very small number of very close friends for a number of years. That's been very important. Maintain, um, obviously, relations with my family. Um, so I have accountability points, but you can lose your way. Um, and all, all of us get caught up in, in moments of pride. Dick, thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. I really loved hearing about your travels, your adventure, and your adventurous life. Um, let's come together next week and hear part two of your great story. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. 
please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.